Can you hear me good? Yeah. What you got? I got, I got my headphones in. I'm down in the basement. <laughs> secluded. <laughs> you are in full podcast mode. Mode because uh, Lena's still up upstairs making noise. So I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if she busts down here in a minute. But Hey, we love having guests, bro. <laughs> <laughs> she would be an entertaining guest for sure. I, I see she's a, a budding sports fan. Yeah, man, she's she's in the middle of like this uh, tug of war between KU and Mizzou right now at age three. Hey, but, hey it's, uh, it's tough being three, man. Yeah, <laughs> she's just figuring out what these mascots are. She just, you know, she's focused on colors, the colors of the schools, and all that type of stuff. She's not, she's not really focused on anything else. Hey, that's how, like, how many different teams were you a fan of before you settled, like, on Florida State? Sorry, what's that? Like, how many different teams were you, like, a fan of when we were kids before you settled on? Man, I mean, so much of it was, like, you know, who my, like, cousins rooted for, you know what I mean? Right. My uncle, so, um... Like in New Orleans, I grew up there, and like naturally, you know, you kind of root for LSU, but LSU wasn't very really good when I was there, and uh, they were like okay. But then my sister went to Florida State, so she kind of started a trend, and so I was rooting for them, and and then I had like three cousins that end up going there, so that was kind of the start. But then, like after a while, you kind of realize, like, man, that's not my school. So right, <laughs> but, but mainly because because uh, they started they started being bad, and I was like, man, why am I put myself through this, man? I, I didn't even go there, right? You know, I ain't got no student loans there. I ain't, ain't indebted to them anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Shoot, I was like, I've only been on campus there like twice, and I was like five years old. So it's like I ain't got no attachment to them. I, but that's how so many like of us start out just watching sports because like, I can't even tell you how many teams I liked before like now I'm I'm a Saints fan uh, college I'm a Bama fan but when I was younger I really liked Texas like even like the years before I feel before, like I remember you saying that yeah the years before Vince Young and the years after Vince Young I, I loved Texas but it's also because the time we time we grew up, because I grew up in Alabama, Alabama wasn't good. Like Auburn was like the team here for like when we were like in middle school and high school. Yeah, I remember telling I remember when I got up here for school and that was oh seven. And so Auburn had won like six straight against Bama yeah. up until that point. And so, like, when Bama started getting good, it was kind of weird because I'm like, man, I've only seen, like, Auburn beat them, you know, as far as when you're 
like like you said our age and like following it understanding like you know uh, what's actually going on um so when alabama has like turned the tide literally since then <laughs> yeah but you're right though auburn used to be running the state when we were kind of in at least in high school you know what i mean like that last national championship alabama before the saving era was like 92 i was like four so i mean i don't remember any of that and plus, my family was from Mississippi, yeah. too, so I didn't have, like, the attachment to Alabama that I eventually became. Like, as I got older and I realized, hey, I am from Alabama. My family is from Mississippi, but I'm not from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, and then, like, in basketball, of course, we were 90s kids, so we, I always cheer for Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> and then like he left, and then the Bulls sucked, and it was like, "This ain't my team." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not from Chicago. I don't care. <laughs> so then, like my like NBA is always for me has been always sur- like around my favorite players. Same. So like it was Jordan. Then I mean everybody liked AI, but he wasn't like my guy. My guy was like T Mac. Cause I always liked I always liked forwards that were bigger that kind of could like could uh, they could ball handle, mm-hmm. but yeah. So T Mac was my guy. Then our freshman year of high school is Braun's rookie year, which is yep. insane in hindsight. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy! Like this nigga's that's been crazy. good since <laughs> I was fourteen, <laughs> fifteen years old. <laughs> Gosh, man, that dude, he's literally been playing basketball since technically we met each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's been in the NBA. That's insane. Damn, I didn't even it's, think about that. But that yeah. is totally true. It's it's wild, man. He's he's been in the NBA the whole time. But uh but no, I agree with you, like, cause now, I mean, if I were to narrow down things like I root for the Saints because I've always just rooted for the Saints, you know, being from New Orleans. And I never really had an attachment to any other, like, NFL team. You know, I always had players I liked. But uh, – and then now in college, like, it's just KU. That's it. Like, yeah. I mean, I it, now it's going to come with some tough times. <laughs> 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 I mean, we've been in tough times for about a decade now. But uh, it's like the only – like team that I feel like now that I have like some emotional attachment to and, and financial attachment to. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, but like you with the NBA, man, I'm just like an NBA fan. And like, I mean, you can call it fair weather. I'm, I fit that category. Cause I just be, I just like the players I like and I want to see their teams do well. Sometimes it's a conflict of interest, but it is what it is. That's that's always <laughs> the weird thing with the NBA because you'd be like, man, like because right now I don't have anybody that I necessarily hate. Like for the longest, I hated like Paul Pierce, of course, because I'm a Braun <laughs> guy. I hated yeah. Jason Terry. I, now I I like so many different players is that it's not like I'm upset if something doesn't happen. Yeah, it's just different. But like growing up, also like going back to. My dad was always a, a fair weather fan for just everything. In hindsight, I think he was gambling on games. <laughs> because I it. like it just went like it would just do like he changed his his favorite teams a little too much. 
<laughs> like, like I think because like he grew up in the seventies, the Steelers was always like his. He's always like the Steelers. Um, who else? He he's like the Chiefs when we were younger. He still kind of likes the Chiefs. Um, but we always were mostly just Saint fans. Like, cause like he he always talked about he he was a fan when he was when they were the Aints. Yeah. So it's just hold over from that. And then plus just Mississippi and New Orleans and having New Orleans roots and stuff is I guess I just settled on them. I didn't like I've never liked the Falcons. So that also yeah, made it easier. The Falcons. the Falcons always seem to like they I mean, I'm not trying to be that guy, but they always choked. Like they always like yes. would get far when they were really good. I did like them, like, like I like watching them when they had Vic, because obviously it's Michael Vic. Yeah, it's almost like uh, that. It was the AI effect. It's like yeah, this is like yeah. the coolest person in the NFL. Of course, I'm 11, 12 years old. Of course, I'm like Michael Vic. Exactly. But yeah, like I, I feel I do feel sorry for Atlanta sports fans sometimes. But man, I kind of feel like they got the curse that Cleveland got rid of. <laughs> Man, it's. I mean, I, I, I will say I am a Braves fan. So, like, I can at least say, I mean, I was five when they won it all. So, you know, I don't remember that really. Um, but to be honest, all the rest of the times that I remember the Braves being, they always were really good, but always choked in the playoffs. And it's like, it still happens today. But, like, I got a lot of family that are Atlanta fans and, we we have like a little text chain and stuff like a family text chain, and uh, I remember texting them during that New England Super Bowl, man. Like at halftime, and no lie, they like I'm not kidding. They were they they were prepared for the meltdown. Like they were they were not ready to celebrate. <laughs> they were not like they had been Atlanta fans too long to know like this is going too good. We're gonna blow this. Like, <laughs> I was like, dang, man. So, like, that, like true Atlanta fans have been definitely scarred, for sure. I Like, for baseball, I used to watch more baseball. I haven't watched it as much, but I'm still a White Sox fan, which I love Tim Anderson. And it sucks yes. that he's, like, on this suspension or whatever. But, I mean, it is what it is. They're having a good year, though. Yeah. I mean, they won the division, and they're having a real good year. Yeah, um, like I feel I, I I like where uh baseball it seems like it's a lot more uh black stars, and that's what like I felt like we needed that more when we were younger. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm glad for it now, especially like with some of the things that have gone on. But yeah, yeah, when we were younger, it kind of felt like you had to decipher between just rooting for a minority, yes. <laughs> you know, like any, if whatever, any minority, somebody, any minority <laughs> that was good. It was like, we claim it now. Or hope. My bad. No, no. You were saying like, I mean, anybody, like we were claiming them. Yeah. Cause it just wasn't many, you know? That's why, like, for a lot of us, we, hey, we love Jeter. <laughs> man, that was the guy, man. Hey, he's still that dude. I ain't even going for it. I don't like the Yankees, but I mean, that's that's Jeter, bro. Do, do you know he own like he's part of the ownership group? I think for the Marlins now. Or like, I'm pretty sure he's 
either like he's a part of ownership group or he's like president or something like that. Uh, I can't really remember. I had to look it up, but uh, <clears throat> it is kind of dope that he's a part of like, you know, like a, a really high up in the front office. Cause you know, just in any sport, which is a whole different conversation. It's just yeah. good to have minorities in positions like that. No. Especially meaningful positions. Mm, exactly. Like to have an actual seat at the table where you can speak. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. is not a, the face value, just thing. I just realized I didn't even introduce you. <laughs> so, so we are running a week behind in episodes. So this is a bonus episode, kind of, but it's not a bonus. But it's a sports-centered one. I got one of my best friends ever, uh, DW, <laughs> um, Mr. Walker, in the building. Um, who is an even bigger sports fan than me. Way more knowledgeable. But we're going to just talk about some, just We're going to chop it up. <laughs> man, I'm, I'm happy to be on here, man. I think the last time I was on was, uh, I think, when Akeem and I did an episode. What was, that was a few years ago. Yeah, that was the and one was on his podcast. That, the <laughs> last one, that was wild. <laughs> That was crazy. <laughs> that it is a lot. Lo- it was so much fun. That's a lost episode too, because it's not on our thing. It's on his. So, like, if people find it, be like, oh my god, that was wild. <laughs> <laughs> they probably, they probably really did think we crazy, but uh, it was fun, man. I'm used to people like thinking that I'm insane. So, like. <laughs> And that's just like the edited version. Like, if you, they heard the stuff me and Kim be talking about regularly, <laughs> I, I do feel like when I listen, and uh, there's like always a point in the episode where one of y'all, like, man, if everybody could hear what we really been saying, <laughs> I always die laughing because I'm like, I, I can only like imagine what, what some of the things that y'all had to edit out, <laughs> bro. I like the uh, episode I put up yesterday. Like originally, when I first listened to it, I was like, "Oh, I ain't gonna have to edit much." I listened back to that thing. I had to cut out like the first thirty minutes. We were talking crazy. <laughs> I was like, "Man, no, let me not put this shit out there." <laughs> but yeah, this is. Wait. Wait, I'm sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say y'all need to pull out an uncut. You just do it like an uncut. Hey and. Tease the viewers on it. Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing a paywall for certain uh, pod, like, podcasts. It ain't gonna be much. It's gonna be like three dollars a month, where you can listen to the unedited shit, and that would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have y'all kicked off Spotify? <laughs> right. <laughs> like they said, what? <laughs> but yeah, this one's gonna be a little bit more sports uh, oriented because. Like Kim, like knows about sports, but she don't. It's just different. Like it's just she doesn't know the storylines of like what's going on in sports, like yeah. all the stuff like with the NBA and stuff, which is crazy. And we'll get to that. 
But yeah, so I was like, I have been wanting to do a sports episode, but like this this past week was so insane with sports. I was like, okay, I got to do a sports episode. I guess we got to start talking about this NBA thing. Whew. Okay. So, uh, all right. Okay. The be- what's the best ways? All right. So, I knew it was going to be a iffy uh, start of the season, I guess is the best way to say it. I like I knew of all the leagues the one that had the biggest chance of it being complete soap opera was the NBA. 100%. Especially with the back stuff because like look, let's be honest, there's a lot of skeptics out here of all races, but especially when a certain community that tends to make up probably about 90% of the league now. Well, now I wouldn't go that high. Uh, what, about 70? Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, there's a lot of thoughts in our community. I knew it was going to be a couple people that had strong positions about uh, vaccines and vaccinations. And one person I knew for sure, without a doubt, that was going to be on some b- BS was uh Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I just course. knew. Hey, anybody could of pick course. that one. That was everybody yep. everybody knew that was the safe one. Like I feel like somebody else I think tweeted this. He's a contrarian without a cause. Like with everything. Like he just has some strong weird opinion. Not saying that even being anti-vax is weird because I don't. I I understand vax hesitancy, but Kyrie has shown that he is uh, fond of uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, you're spot on. I mean, and I'm gonna start this off where, where when I talk about Kyrie, we are not talking about Kyrie's. On court talents, no, because he is a magnificent basketball. Player, Absolutely, specifically offensively, like he can do everything. Like I, I mean, it's it's incredible what he can do with the basketball in his hands. So I, I want to make sure, like, when we talking about Kyrie, there's no hate on his game at all. He's at one all. of my favorite players to watch, and has been for ever, really. He's he's just like you said. He's exciting to watch, and like he's just a really good player. Um, and so that's why there's so much attention on him. And back to your original point, where when it comes to like, as soon as the season was coming up, you just knew Kyrie was gonna be awesome. Bush. <laughs> like I was just like, I mean, from last year when, and I, you know, I've gotten a few. I would say group argument spats <laughs> with some people about last year where this dude decided he's just going to take PTO for two weeks and not really give a reason. And it's like, okay, like I I get that. Like we all like, I'm not going to be hypocritical and say like no one takes PTO, but it felt like Kyrie was like, I need time off for my mental health and you don't tell your bosses. Like, right. It just kind of felt odd to me. Like, you know what I mean? It, it just kind of threw me off on it. 
as far as like how he was handling himself in that situation. Yeah. And it's like it the most frustrating thing about Kyrie is it's not even really that he be wrong. He be just so wrong about the way he goes about things. Exactly. Like, yeah. Take time for your mental health. Um, do whatever you need to do to make sure you're okay. Nobody's going to disagree with that. But there's a certain way you you need to do that to make sure, like, we're adults. Like, we have to cover our bases because our job's on the line in most cases. But I don't... It's that, like... Because, like, the like I said, the, the frustrating part of it was his arguments were only within the vacuum of, oh, so you're telling me that I shouldn't take time off. No, nobody's saying that. Well, <laughs> well some people were saying that. I, mm-hmm. But they're idiots. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the same people that were being like, Kyrie, maybe you should, you know, have discussed this with somebody. And then don't get mad when the media ask you questions when you don't show up for two weeks. And then be like, oh, the media is against me. I'm not going to talk to the media anymore. Knowing that that's part of your job. Mm-hmm. And then the, even go back further, the uh, flat earth shit. Oh, God. Which is so frustrating. Because his argument was, you should question everything. Which once again, within the vacuum of life, yeah, you should question everything. But some things are decided and are law. Not like uh, judicial law, but are universal law. One plus one equals two. The earth is round. That... And Water it, is wet. Yeah. Entertaining <laughs> anything outside of these things is operating in insanity. Mm-hmm. And then for you to be like, well, y'all just believe everything y'all uh, are taught. You're doing the same thing. So I, I just knew that when you add this COVID monster into it, Kyrie was going to be the face of the anti-vax in the uh, NBA. But what really surprised me was all the other people that were willing to die on that hill. Like Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal's comments, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. I'm sorry. Your boy Jonathan Isaac. He ain't my boy. (laughs) (laughs) Look. (laughs) Hey, there's a word for people like him and it rhymes with moon. (laughs) i mean i just it's hard man because like like to your point with he just and i'm speaking on Kyrie. maybe it's his natural personality just to question things and want to know a full answer or he has to understand it in his way and you know i i part of me gets to that um because it forces you to think outside the box and also accept, you know, other people's logic of thinking that that's kind of how I look at that type of thinking. Right. Right. Um, which is, which is healthy. 
um, in, in a lot of cases. Uh, but it also kind of puts you in this situation where if you just don't see certain things of what it is, when that's all you need to see it as, you overcomplicate things. Yes. And I feel like that's exactly what he's doing. And you make it to where, like, you're just a rebel without a cause. Like, you're just being defiant, just to be mm-hmm. defiant. Like, you're looking for some righteous uh, cause to fight for, but you don't have one, so you're just, well, can I just be my own person? Yeah, but we also can critique you on your nonsense. And I feel like what's even funnier is the people like Jonathan Isaac or Andrew Wiggins are actually way worse than Kyrie in this sense. Kyrie has shown us that Kyrie's a little nutty. Which is cool, but this is in line with Kyrie. For, like, Wiggins... Wiggins isn't even willing to say why he is anti-vax or why he mm-hmm. doesn't want to disclose why he's hesitant about it. It's just it's none of your business. You're you're a grown man. You should be able to explain why you uh are so hardline on this to where you're w- willing to risk millions of dollars. was the one that um didn't he try he tried to get a uh religious, religious exemption, exemption. Yeah. yeah from which it's like you know even just talk through that you know you're you're asked about it and and i'll be honest when when every i think it was sec media days and football in july and like i remember hearing the question how many like what percentage of your team is vaccinated because i think the sec had some rule where like what was it eighty certain certain percentage of the team had to be vaccinated yeah or something like that I, I can't I could be wrong on that but I thought it was something like that um, and you know a lot of the reporters were asking that question to the coaches at media day and I'm not gonna lie at first I was kind of like why are they asking that like it just seems like a odd thing to ask and then I, after I kind of like understood why you know, the bigger picture of kind of the regulations and the rules that the SEC had set. And as you can see now, a lot of the professional leagues have said, you know, now it's like, okay, I understand that question. And, you know, it's not like, I don't, I can't recall if they asked it to the collegiate athletes, but like professional athletes, like you said, you got to face the media. It's a part of your job. Whether you see that as a personal question and how you answer it, it's, it's clearly like, you have a choice of how you answer it. Yeah. Um, but it's also going to be taken. If you don't answer it, you're automatically going to kind of be put in a category. That's right. What it seems like, you know? Yeah. Like <clears throat> for me, Jonathan Isaacs, uh, the way he um, discussed why he felt the way he did about the vaccination, all the other things. <sighs> I hate to give him a little bit of credit. I'll give him that he said something. He really mm-hmm. didn't say anything, to be honest. He did the kind of like, well, this, this, and this, the diversion, this, this, and this. But I respect people's opinion. That's that is the stereotypical athletic answer that you're supposed to give, to be honest. 
Like you say something, you use some words, and and all the dumb people out here be like, "Oh, he's he's a well intelligent young man. He's <laughs> he speaks so well. <laughs> he speaks so well." <laughs> Which we all know what that means. Yes, but like he was making nonsense about it too. So, so I don't. I I just I like for Isaac's. I just don't like the idea that he's become this right wing darling to where you got people like Ted Cruz uh, tweeting uh, your body, your choice while being a senator from Texas. Oh, my. I had a buddy who who's uh, from Texas and he just moved his family out of Texas (laughs) to Seattle, Washington, out of all places. But uh, I think his wife got a job there and. And like he's he works remote, so he can kind of work wherever. Um, but like he is like from Texas and has lived there basically his whole life outside of like when we went to college together. And he was like, I'm so fed up with the state, bro. I'm out of here. <laughs> like he literally picked up his family, like they picked up and they moved. And he tweeted something today or retweeted something today that was like perfect. He goes, he was basically like, so now we don't want our athletes to shut up and drill. Exactly. You know, it's the perfect, like when, and this is common sense, obviously with the something that they want to hear, then, Oh yeah, we definitely want to hear what the athletes have to say. Right. Something they don't want to hear. Of course. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, they're not qualified to talk about these type of things. Blah, 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 blah. Especially because this is medical advice and it's literally life or death for people. And Mm -hmm. I don't understand why everybody is missing that point of it. It's just like where Draymond came out and he was like, I can't tell uh, Andrew what to do. And I feel like that's not my role to tell him what to do because, I mean, it's suspicious how everybody is pressing this issue for everybody to get vaccinated and all of this other stuff. Be like, yeah, except for there's a pandemic going on. Exactly. I see are filled with people. People are dying left and right. It's not like like. I don't know how you can divorce this issue from what has gone on the last two years. And it's a lot of people doing that. And I'm just wondering, like, how can you be that purposely obtuse to where you're just like, yeah, it's suspicious that everybody's uh, trying to get this vaccine. I mean, yeah, people are dying all around me, but I mean, it's just weird. Isn't it weird to you? <laughs> it's weird that people can cough on me and I could die tomorrow. Yes, a it's, lot of stuff yes. is weird. <laughs> Very weird. I'm, I'm gonna read you. I found a quote from Jonathan Isaac that kind of sums it up for people. So, in one in that interview, it looks like there was probably like uh, the Orlando Magic's media day because a lot of the NBA teams just doing their media day like this past week. And he said one of his quotes was like, "I understand that the vaccine would help if you have COVID." you'll be able to have less symptoms from contracting it. But with me having COVID in the past and having the antibodies with my current age group and physical fitness level, it's not necessarily a fear of mine. Well, that's great, Jonathan, but what about the people around you? Like, and that's what people are failing to understand. And like, I don't mind sharing it. Like I'm vaccinated. And part of my reasoning why is because not me. It was like I have a pregnant wife at home. And I have a three year old at home. So right. for me, it was like, okay, what's kind of the best 
you know, maybe, maybe, you know, initially I was, I initially I was kind of worried about the vaccine. Cause I think when I first heard about it through work, since I kind of work in the healthcare industry, they were offering it to us in like February. I think it was like the first time we could sign up for like either the Moderna or the Pfizer, I think. And so I was kind of like, man, it seems kind of early to do a vaccine, but like you just said, the circumstances are pretty large right. when it comes to <laughs> the pandemic. So it's like, okay, well, based on, you know, my, our household, I, you know, my wife and I kind of were just like, it just makes sense. And then with her is even more complicated because she's pregnant. So it's like, right. we had to kind of talk through with the doctor and all that. So I ended up deciding to just to get it. Um, and then it's wild because we, we've been going to our, our, uh, our appointments and uh, the, her doctor was already like, you need to, you need to start thinking about the booster shot. I'm like, damn, we just got the, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like doctors are already getting the booster shot. And so it yeah. kind of shows you like how far ahead they've thought and like how comfortable they are with it. Yeah. So. Like that's for like all the people that say like they have to do the research. The research is there. Mm-hmm. They've already done the research. And like I said before, People aren't doing the research. They're just reading stuff off Facebook. If you were doing the research, you'd be doing holding your own studies with COVID patients and comparing it to uh, having blind uh, tests done. You're not doing that. You're just reading something you saw on Facebook, which which I'm not even. I mean, I was I wasn't going to get the vaccine originally, but I read stuff and I was like, okay, sounds good to me. I'm going to get it. Um, just because I don't know the long-term effects of having COVID. We don't know what that is. So, I mean, that was the, the thing for me to be like, yeah, I'm ho- go ahead and get this shot. But but back to, uh, to uh, Jonathan Isaac's point, like, yeah, people aren't even taking into account that you could pass this to somebody else. And you could pass yeah. it to somebody who would have got the vaccine, but they're uh, because of certain medical things, they couldn't get a vaccine. Those people exist in this society. That's why it's important to, for us to have a higher vaccination rates. But uh, speaking of his crazy point, that's why the Bradley Beal thing was hilarious. Because <laughs> he was like... <laughs> I had COVID. I didn't get sick. I just uh, lost my sense of, what do you say, sense of taste? Yeah, yeah, he said sense of taste. <laughs> He's like, bro, that's, you only got five senses and you lost one of them. <laughs> like, that's a big deal, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's, that's something to, like, just gloss over. Like, <laughs> oh man! Like we're so numb to the dumb shit that somebody saying they lost their sense of taste. Be like, I mean, it could be way worse. That's why, like, like that's insane. Like, oh, but that's also why, like, if the other thing was like you could go blind from it, that would have been a game changer for some of these people. Like, hold up. <laughs> Yeah, no, that would have changed the game, at least on in certain people's eyes, on the severity of what they think COVID is. Oh, he said sense of smell. Yeah. Oh, sense of smell. Okay, yeah, like that's, that's a big. A big <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just oh, man. you can't just, smell uh, nothing from now on. <laughs> and I know people that didn't get their sense of smell back for like like four or five months. 
this one girl, she said she could only smell uh, like pleasant smells. She couldn't smell foul smells. Like, man, that's a that's a hell of a situation to be in. I'll, I'll be honest, Juice. I can work with that because I feel like, man, all I do is smell just poop all day. <laughs> Three year old, and it's like everything. You just, I just feel like I just smell poop all day. And I'm like, that would be kind of actually a perfect way to cancel it out and be like, you know what? I just don't smell poop for a change. <laughs> like, so I, that would be something I can work with, but still. Right. That's like this. That's not something to roll the dice with. But hey, all I all I might lose if I don't die from this is a sense of smell, a sense of taste. Like what? A sense of taste, like for me as like a foodie and like drink guy. If I lost my sense of taste, oh, I don't even want to imagine a world like that, where everything you eat just tastes like cardboard. That'd be so horrible. Oh, God. Like, you see a burger that looks amazing. You bite into it, and it's just... Eh. I don't want that life. No. But people... People people are insane, man. Like, the stuff that people... Like, it's just, I knew people were insane when... uh Like, we first had to shut down, and people were like... I mean, it's got, like, a 98% uh survival rate. Like... Do you know how many people exist in the world? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, they're like, only 2% oh. like, of the people are going to die from it. They get it. And then, like, back then, they were like, more than likely, 70% of the world will have this at some point, in some way or another. And, they, like, they broke down the numbers. I was talking to these people from work. They were like, I mean, the numbers aren't even that bad. I was like, that's like 10 million people. <laughs> <laughs> And people just don't like put that into perspective because I think naturally we kind of look at that as, oh, that won't happen to me. Yeah. You know, until that shit happens. Until it happens. And uh, it's just a, a, I'll be honest, like maybe, you know, when we were in college, I mean, my mindset was a lot different. Oh, yeah. Definitely. (laughs) Like, I took a lot more risk. A lot more risk. Like, I don't know, like, if I was a college kid right now, I don't know how I, like, I probably wouldn't even know about the vaccine, because I would be so focused on other things. Yeah. Um, but my mom would probably drill it in my head enough and be like, boy, if you don't go get the vaccine, she'd probably be on my tail. But, um, but like, now it's like you got grown people that are, like, trying to fight the reality because they want to be right. Yeah. And avoiding all the facts in front of us. Yes. Because they want it to be right in their eyes and they only want to view it in a way that aligns with what they either think or believe in instead of reality. And it's just kind of like whatever, like, look, whatever I want to happen or believe that shit happen, it doesn't matter if whatever is actually happening. <laughs> right, you know, like that's what it comes down to to me, but. and and then especially like with athletes because these arenas are full of people not only just coming to enjoy the game, but people that work there. You're putting those people's lives at risk, mm-hmm. and for you to just to be like, I mean, well, hey, what's the worst that can happen? I'm young. That's fucked up. It's real messed up. Like, 
the selfishness in all of it is what is so frustrating. Like, and just seeing what people, like, I don't know. Like, they're trying to score political points. They're trying to own the lips by getting people to die. It's, that's some wild shit, man. It's wild. I mean, some of these people, as we learned over the last four years, people will do anything to own the libs. And if that means die, <laughs> they'll die. So I'm like, power to you. If, if you. if that's how you feel, you go for it. So, but that is not me. I'm looking to make sure that I live as long as possible. It's the end of the world, bro. I was looking at this. Like, so the unvaccinated policy, like for the NBA, so like it says what 90% approximately of the league is vaccinated, which is great. Yeah. Um, but I was reading where it showed like the policies, like if you're unvaccinated, like how you have to go about things, which was basically like what they did last year. And like a few things it says, it's like not able to eat in the same room with the staff. Your lockers must be distanced from the rest of your teammates. You must wear a mask and at least be six feet away from others in team meetings. And you're unable to go to the bar. Like it says unable to go to higher quote, higher risk settings. So it includes like bars, clubs, and like large indoor gatherings. If I was an NBA player at like what, 22, 23, whatever, that last line alone, I'd be like, man, just give me that vaccine. I'm trying to. Yeah. Like, even if you don't care about, like, even if your heart is not in the right place and make it a decision, like, right. <laughs> but you make it based off, like, reading these things that you have to do if you're unvaccinated, like, like even if I was in a younger mindset where I just wasn't thinking about other people, to be honest, there are certain things where, like, kind of like what the NFL did, where they're basically like, you don't have to get vaccinated, but... We're going to make your you life have to do a lot of BS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so that's what these leagues, I think, are trying to do. And with the NBA, you know, like you mentioned in the beginning, where the players have a lot more say. I mean, what we did mention, Kyrie Irving is the vice president of the on the executive committee of the Players Union. That is true. Dang. Like, he's got a lot of say. Yeah. You know, so it's just a different, you know, compared to the NFL and MLB and, you know, other leagues like the the, the NBA. It, it had, there's, there's a lot of pros to that. Like the NBA players have a lot of power. Um, you, that, you know, have a, have a lot of say into it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Hello. Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Mm. But um, yeah, Kyrie is definitely in a power position, but that's also why he's got to become more of a serious person, man. I feel like Kyrie can retire any any moment. I feel like he's that player that's just gonna be like. I got a championship. I've made a bunch of money. I'm just going to retire. Like, I could see him just retiring out of the blue. That's what I was thinking. Like, just being like, you know what? I'm done. And he'll be a whole fan. not saying that's going to happen this year, but 
Man, I mean the, the NBA, like the NBA Hall of Fame, they let everybody in there. So yes. when they <laughs> let Yao like, in, I was like, oh yeah. Man, they let everybody in there. Um, I'm not saying that they're not good to great players, but like I look at Hall of Famers as like the elite of the elite. Um, yeah, and that's just me personally, but uh, but I, I mean, I would based on the current circumstances and who's in the Hall of Fame and. I w- I personally would view him as that based on the circumstances and like who else is in there. Yeah, you know, like he's such a wild card. I don't know what Kyrie Irving will do any day. Like, I feel like I don't know. I I do feel like this all the handling of this by some of the younger stars has shown the difference between legitimate stars and people that ain't ready for the spotlight yet. Bradley Bill ain't ready yet. You look at how Dame handled media day. You look at mm-hmm. how Steph handled media, even though they're they're older. You just I don't know. You can see the difference in the guys that's like, no, nah, I'm a superstar. And the guys that's like on the outskirts of it. Even though I think Kyrie is a superstar, it's just Kyrie is Kyrie. Yeah, it's Kyrie's all, a different cat. Like I, uh, I don't. They were gonna make a documentary about Kyrie when he retires, and it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be like, uh, run, Ricky, run. <laughs> Man, is I mean, I you think about Kyrie's career, and I mean that's why I love talking about his basketball career, like. I mean, he got to Cleveland and he, you know, obviously they were struggling. He didn't have a lot around him. And then LeBron gets there and people can say whatever they want to say. I know both of us are bronze stands for the most part. Um, right. And people need to give Kyrie his credit for that championship. Oh, totally. Because both of them, like, they don't win that without either one of them um, equally, in my opinion, because. I mean, Kyrie, when they put up that 40-40, was that game five? I think so. Yeah, I think um, it was. In, in Oakland, was one of the best games to watch. It just really, like, it was literally like, all right, you take it. I take it. You take, And, like, Kyrie was hitting shots that you're just like, oh, my God. Like, in, in the face of good defense. Yes. I and mean, Clay Thompson, I feel like, was guarding him most of the time. Clay Thompson and, is an underrated defender. Mm-hmm. And he was sticking it to Kyrie, and Kyrie was going balls to the wall. I, I just and now like, I mean, his time with the Celtics, he was hurt a lot. I, I'm not gonna fault him for that. And um, then also the racism, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> Whew, that'd be a one thing, man. You get drafted to go to Boston, man. Like in any sport. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, and, and you know, they say Boston's a great sports place, which I mean, sure, yeah, they won a lot of championships, but like that don't mean I want to live there, right? But yeah, I mean, I just I don't really fault him for that stop. But with the Nets, I mean, I personally think I still think that the team to beat this year if they've got everybody healthy. Um, yeah, in my opinion. You know, like I just think Kevin Durant is not that he's you could tell last year like his Achilles is you know fully healed and you got James Harden there. It's like 
I don't know how you stop those three. But like, I don't know how they don't put up at least one twenty exactly. <laughs> game when they're all locked in. Like, you know, it's just I don't know, man. I I do think that the Nets are the team to beat if they're healthy. I as much of a LeBron stand as I am, mm-hmm. I don't, bro. I I like the idea of the Lakers. I just don't know how this all gonna work out. I agree. I don't see how it fits. I just, I mean, they got a lot of players that I like, like, and I liked them like a lot better when like five years ago. But, Definitely. I mean, if it, but it, it does kind of come down to AD, in my opinion. Like, if AD's healthy. Oh yeah. There's still not really anybody to stop him. So it's like but even then it's like the West is so good that it's like they could slip up in a series that like every there's a there's a handful of teams that are good enough to beat them. Yeah. I don't know who's coming out the West. Like I have no idea who's gonna make it out the West. You got Denver. You got uh, the Warriors, got Clay back. Steph had a hell of a year last year. I don't know. Like, I just don't know who's getting out of the uh, West. And that together makes it exciting. Yeah. I mean, you got, and like you said, the, you still got the Suns out there. You know, you could argue like they ran into teams with injuries. Like obviously, when they play the Lakers the first round, AD gets hurt. That changes the complexion of the series. They play Denver with no Jamal Murray. Right. Um, you know, and then they get the Clippers, and the Clippers don't have Kawhi. So, you know, they, you but they beat who was in front of them, and they look really good doing it. So and they, I don't want to count them out, you know. And, I mean, a few things go different. They almost won – Championship. It's just they ran into, I mean, an all-time great who somehow has that LeBron-like ability to heal himself from injuries. <laughs> because, bro, <laughs> I whoever is a doctor on the uh, Bucks medical staff is a fucking witch. I don't know how they got that man ready to play after that injury, but. And that was the Atlanta series, right? When when he like landed, and I was like, that he ain't dude, coming that back. Knee, like that, yeah, there's no way because they what they they classified as a hyperextended knee, and I was like, that looked like he tore everything in that knee. Exactly up. the way he landed, I was like, that's. I mean, I thought they were, whew. I thought they were doing that uh, sports bullshit where they'd be like, oh, I was just he just rolled his ankle. Like, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he did not. Like, like his, that, that knee did not look good at all, bro. I was like, he done. And I was like, I mm-hmm. hope like I hope it don't mess up his career. I never thought in a million years he'd play in the finals. And him play as good as he did in the finals. Mm-hmm. And and Chris Middleton is good too. Like, I don't hear a lot of people talk about the Bucks, and I think people need to put some respect on their name. Yeah, it's kind of like the the Raptors, right? When the Raptors won it in 2019. And, you know, the circumstances were a little different with the Raptors where you had, you know, Kawhi goes there, the you know, being of the season. And they kind of had like a team like that was ready to compete. 
They yeah. just needed somebody to get them over the hump, and it worked out good. Right. Um, but, like, even that team, like, they made it all with the game seven with the Sixers, and Kawhi hits that crazy three to, to, to send them through. And then they get to the finals, and they play Golden State, and KD gets hurt, and then Clay gets hurt. Right. And so it's like, I think people look back at them, and they don't necessarily give them the same respect as they should. And I think that's, like, the Bucks are kind of getting that case where, like, people are like, well, if the Nets were fully healthy, you know, would they have won that series? Right. I don't know. You know, people are looking at it that way. Um, but you got to give that man credit, you know, and that, that team credit. I don't know if I'm giving their coach credit yet, but uh, I'll give their players uh, credit. <laughs> you uh, know, like Middleton and, and Drew Holiday played really well in, in that series. And they got some good players, man. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, I, I and I kind of understand it because I was one of those people that I wasn't sold on the Bucks really too. But I mean, hey, y'all just got my respect. For the rest of my life, I'm like, no, nah, that's that's a bad man. Mm-hmm. Like, but I will refuse to give Mike Bootenhoser <laughs> any of the fucking respect. <laughs> Bro, that uh, that meme on Twitter where they said Mike Bootenhoser looks like somebody who bet on the game and is <laughs> <laughs> and is hoping that they cover the spread. It's the funniest shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole bunch of gifts of him out there too. Where like, just he always like you know when you when on the sideline, he always looks like lost. Yeah, or, like he like just looks like he's like a deer in headlights. And maybe that's like just his look. I don't know, but like they make so many like memes and gifts off just his facial expressions. It's hilarious. It's just like uh I can't remember who Chappelle was talking about, but he was like, Can you imagine if you on an airplane and you see a pilot and his lip sweats? <laughs> <laughs> How scared would you be? And it's like, all right, imagine just having, uh, you trying to win this championship and you looking for your coach to be all reserved and be like, we'll do it. And you look over, you see your coach's lip sweating. <laughs> I mean, we ain't getting out of this shit, bro. <laughs> Either you about to be like, man, we done or we better do this on our own. <laughs> and I feel like that's what the Bucks did. Right. They probably like, he waving a play and they like, nah, we gosh man but i i don't know i just i like you said we got to give Giannis and and them that whole team some respect and it feels like i mean you you know like going into this year i feel like still no one's really talking about them um so it'll be interesting to see this year where you know i i would say it's would you say it's like back to a normal schedule like NBA schedule where it's going to start in October and we'll have kind of the full season, you know, barring anything happening with COVID. Yeah. I I do think that this, this is going to be the the most normal season in the last two seasons by, by far. I thought last year was pretty normal for the most part. Like the games, the injuries was also a result of COVID, but I think this would be a pretty normal season. Like, I don't foresee, like, them shutting down anything. Because, I mean, at least we have a vax now. Mm -hmm. So, that's going to, 
uh, delay some of the, I mean, that's going to stop some of the like complete shutdowns. At worst, they'll probably start limiting the people in the, in the stands or make them show vaccination, which shouldn't be controversial, but we're here. We're here. I mean, you have to show vaccination when you go to college. That's, so. that's the other thing about like the sports <laughs> thing. Like, I have played sports in my life. I've had to have waivers. I've had to have mm-hmm. shots and stuff. I don't know how these professional athletes want us to believe that they've never had any of these vaccinations or other things. And that it's so foreign for them to be uh, that it's against their HIPAA. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, don't get me started on that, man. I literally just had to take a HIPAA training for work. And uh, I, I was laughing because I was like, man, you know, you on Twitter, you see a whole bunch of people just throwing out the word HIPAA. And I'm like, oh, my God. My favorite really is when they spell no it H-I-P-P-A. Oh, God. It's just, I, I just, I just cringe, man. But. It's a lot. I mean, unfortunately, there's so many topics out there like that where people dead ass think they know exactly what the hell they're talking about. And I and it's like you you really don't like you really don't know. So, like, just sit it out. Like, there's topics where I'm not qualified to talk about it. So I'm going to sit it out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, so if you don't know about HIPAA, just, just don't even just, <laughs> just don't tweet about it. Don't don't just don't even talk about it. Like, I don't like. Everybody's throwing all kind of shit under HIPAA. Like you can't ask me about my vaccination. That's against the law. It's against HIPAA. It's like that's actually not against the law. (laughs) (laughs) Like what are you talking about? (laughs) People think just because they feel something should be against the law that it that it's against the law, and they mm -mm, they don't hold up in court at all. This is where I, I am very blessed because if I do have one of those moments, like about anything law wise, like my father in law is a lawyer, so I'll just send him a text. I'll be like, yo, like a few, like I think it was a few months ago, uh, I was thinking about, I was like, man, can I sports gamble? Because you know, a lot of people sports gamble and you know, it varies state by state. Yeah. And so I text him, I was like, yo, can I do this? And he said, I wouldn't. <laughs> I was like, that's all I needed to hear. Right. <laughs> Because in Missouri, we're not, you know, we're one of those states that it hasn't it hasn't been passed yet. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, any anything legal that that has to do with you know legal issues or just a question, I just I'm lucky because I can just ask him, and he'll at least know the Missouri state law for sure. Um, and then he's knowledgeable about you know everything else. But it's uh, but yeah, man, you got folks tweeting stuff out, and you're just like. Oh. But that also makes me wonder why, like, millionaires wouldn't be, like, I can't remember who it was, but somebody offered to, like, a lot of teams have been offering to have uh, health officials come in and talk to their players about the vaccine and COVID and everything else. And these are the main people that are like, I I need to do my research. You got fucking researchers (laughs) at your disposal. Mm Mm-hmm. But... Uh, and the other thing is, I've seen people talk about this. They're like, okay, 90% of the league is vaccinated. Let's not focus on the couple of people who are vocally being ignorant. Not all the people that are unvaccinated are ignorant, but the people that we have talked about are being openly ignorant. 
but like very, very. I mean, it's it's one of those like those voices are louder. You yeah. know, we're not going to listen to the voices of the players that have been vaccinated. You know, the the story, and especially with the media, is going to be the, the 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 rebels, like you were saying, like with Kyrie, like they want that. You know, not not only some people want it in a, are, are reporting that in a good hearted way to say, hey, you know, we want everybody to be vaccinated based on safety and and you know. Those type of things, but then you have a lot of outlets that are just doing it because this is a big story. It's gonna people yeah. are gonna want to hear. Well, why is Kyrie not getting vaccinated? Right. Whether they agree with it or don't agree with it. So I think it's a little bit of that too. I can't remember how he texts me and my brother and asked about. Uh, some of the renewed interest in HBCUs athletics, especially the last couple of years, and I can't remember how you asked it, but what was it? What was your question? Yeah, so I uh, I was watching I Am Athlete, and you know a lot of the guys on the on the show lately have been you know really representing the HBCUs and it's been a topic on a few of the episodes. And so out of the blue, I was like, you know, our group text, I was like, man, like I wanted to get a perspective of someone like you and your brother who, you know, went to HBCUs and always have really been, you know, entrenched and interested in the culture of HBCUs and how you really take the people now. And I would almost put myself in that category. And that was kind of why I was asking of like, People that now since and I and tell me if if I'm wrong here and tell me your thoughts since really the last summer when the George Floyd thing happened and a lot of different you know racial injustice things was the really the top of discussion on on a national level and what came of that was a lot of exposure at least on the sports side. Um, to focus on focusing on HBCUs and you know you have now Deion Sanders of course is the biggest name um, that's at Jackson State but Eddie George came back and you know is trying to build up a coaching staff and really push the focus to HBCUs and then Deion Sanders is trying to work with the NFL to essentially host i think a, a hbcu combine yeah i'm not mistaken yeah. i could be wrong on that but um but my question to you guys was more of like how do you feel about people that are kind of renewing their interest or shifting their focus on hbcus when the reality of the situation was they weren't rocking like that 5 10 15 years ago and not saying that that you know and i i use myself as an example have anything against hbcus it was more of like Growing up, you know, on my mom's generation, you know, anybody who went to college, they all went to HBCUs. Um, my mom went to Alabama State, and I know you about to send some joke comments. Um, <laughs> but my my aunt, um, one of my aunts went to AM. I had three cousins that went to AM. One of my cousins, Rob, you know well, yeah. he's still in, in, in Huntsville. And so I had like a lot of family around, it, you know, that, that either went to HBCUs. Um, and I, I'm just mentioning Alabama schools, but, but essentially what I asked juice was, 
you know, as Jun Sen Mouse, like, how do you take people now that are almost hit the reset button and say, hey, like, I should, you know, I, I should figure out ways to look into HBCUs and expose the next generation, like in my, my case, my kids to HBCUs and see which ways I can help um, instead of, you know, always focusing on the quote unquote, you know, the, the more public white universities, um, because that's what's seen on TV. And that's what, you know, mostly it's an athletics thing. Yeah. Would you say like, you know, people look at the University of Alabama, you know, I'm just using an example or like, you know, USC, you know, those type of schools. Um and think that's where they want to go, but it may not be the best place for them, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, like, uh, my thoughts have changed as I've gotten older. Um, also just because maturity, all of us, our thoughts always are changing. When I was younger, I had a, I wouldn't say a resentment, but I kind of had, I kind of had a side eye at the people who uh, wouldn't go to HBCUs, but would love to like come to our, like our parties at A and M. Like I talked to this one girl; she went to uh, UAH, which is a uh, PWI, and she would always talk down on like A and M. But as soon as A and M had some stuff in the spring, she would be up at A and M uh, on the yard and all the other stuff. So I always kind of had like a little side eye for people like that back then because it felt like some people were purposely like looking down on HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Now from an athletic standpoint, it's not BIM. I understand that. Um, but the culture of athletics at, at uh, HBCUs has always been a little bit different. Um and people that go to HBCUs or support HBCUs have always kind of understood that. And I felt like that was missing from people that didn't go to HBCUs or support HBCUs. Um, they didn't understand that we're not trying to be Bama. Like, <laughs> we get that it's like the, uh, the playing is it up to SEC uh, athletics, but that's fine. Everybody doesn't have to be at SEC athletics. You can still enjoy the sport. Or you can still enjoy just going with your family to a game on Saturday at your alma mater. College experience is way more uh, enriching than just going to see a good game. You're going to see a, a nice band. You're going to just experience the culture of HBCUs. So, but as I've gotten older, I understand that by me going to HBCU made me a little bit, uh, I got a level of, I won't say blackness, but I got a, an appreciation of my own blackness by going to HBCU because it wasn't like by going to suburban schools, like we both went to sometimes people always would say some weird things like that you weren't quote unquote black or something. Then you go to a, a predominantly black school, you realize, Oh, it's other weirdos like me. Exactly. <laughs> right. So like your like your idea of blackness changes and there's a comfortable a comfortability by going to HBCU 
not because everybody's black, but because you have professors and uh, administration even that are encouraging their students because it's a smaller school. A lot of times, you know, your professors because you've been taking multiple classes from them since you got into the program that you're in. And it's more of a level of community. And I think that a lot of people dismiss all of that and just think that you black, they black. That's why everybody gets along. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's like Wakanda. It's not, it's not uh divorce from the real world. Racism still exists on HBCU campuses because we exist in a racist society. But I think that HBCUs offer something to a lot of black students, not all black students, but to certain black students that they may not get in other places. So they should at least, you know, maybe consider at least looking into it. If it's not your speed, by all means, it does not make you a sellout. It does not make you any less black by not going to HBCU. But I don't know. It's just different. Yeah, it reminds me of the topic you guys had on the podcast. That was like, I think it was a few weeks ago where you and Kim were talking about, uh, um, I think you were specifically talking about fraternities and sororities. Yeah. Like, would you, you know, should you allow white people in traditionally like black fraternities or black sororities? And I remember that conversation. And it's like, you know, it's one of those things where for, so many years and I, you know, I had to really understand it from my mom's perspective, like HBCUs were the way black people got education because that was the only way my mom was going to get education. And like, and my mom specifically like her generation um, and her brothers and sisters based on where they were in the country. Um, And so, and, and one of the things I, I, sent in the text was like, um, you know, I think my mom was more of like, Hey, you have the opportunity to, that I didn't have to be able to choose wherever you wanted to go. Right. And I think, you know, and also, you know, in high school with everybody, you know, we hung out a bunch of white people too. So it was like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, so it was like, you know, I was around a lot of white people. And you're all, you know, you're all, everybody's trying to find themselves in, in different things. And, and so it was one of those things where you're, you know, when you don't, when you don't know yourself, you're not really comfortable and you don't really know who you are. You kind of just are like, well, I'm just going to kind of go, you know, wherever I think I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have fun or whatever. You don't think about the deeper level of what it means for you 10 years down the line and 15 years down the line. And, um, you know, when you said sense of community and the timing of me texting you guys was, I just took my mom and daughter to the KU football game and we went to the game and it, you know, it was fun. Like it was cool. Cause I got to take my daughter there and you know, it was like my memories of the place was more of like around the people that I like am still friends with today. But like the people that were at the game, I had no like, (laughs) you know, like no relation to like most of the people I look around. I'm like, I don't really have like a sense of community or a sense of like, you know, what we can relate to. And I mean, that that, it's a one off game. Right. But I go to a lot of games like I have season tickets there and I go with 
one of my buddies who I'm good friends with, um, who also went there and, you know, like it's me, like I'm black and he's Indian. <laughs> and like, I remember there was a point where we're sitting in like, you know, we were in there like a section, bro. And I'm looking around, like I'm scanning like our whole section and we're like the only minorities within like three to four sections, <laughs> you know, which is yeah. kind of natural for a, you know, a Midwest school. Um, a Midwest school. And I realized I'm like, man, you know, it kind of goes back to, I had a great education there and I had a good time there. I met some great people there. But like when you're thinking about where you're going to school at, at age 17 or 18, you're not fully, you don't understand the bigger picture of like why you're going to a school. I to say, you know, I probably reevaluate and look like, I think the only HBCU I applied to was A&M. Um, but that was the only one I did. Um, and so like looking back, it's like, now that you just, I just have more knowledge and understanding who I am, more comfortable who I am. Um, and being like, man, like, you know, I, I think I would, I would take a look at a more HBCUs if I was in the same position now. Um, yeah. and I could honestly sit here and say that. And, uh, whereas it may be as, early as six, you know, six, seven years ago, I wouldn't say that. Um, but you just, you know, it, it was more like, that's what kind of spurred. I was like, man, like, I just love to know you and Miles's perspective on that. Um, which I know it's just two perspectives, but you know, of like how you think of people that have changed their, you know, necessarily, I wouldn't even obviously fully change my view, but now you're honing in more on like, okay, what is it like, what would your experience have been like if you went to HBCU? Yeah. You know? And and I've done the same where I've wondered um, what my experience would have been like if I had went to a predominantly white school. As a uh, weird mm-hmm. inverse, the only white school I applied to was uh, Alabama. <laughs> I remember you said that. <laughs> so, like, like, from when I was young, though, I always wanted to go to HBCU just because, like, I've always been such a history nerd and just being from a long line of people that went to HBCUs. My mom graduated from Alcorn. Most of her brothers and sisters graduated from Alcorn. My granddad graduated from Alcorn, was a professor there. Most of his brothers and sisters are professors, teachers, and stuff like that. I just wanted to follow along with that. I didn't know what school I wanted to go to because, like, when I was younger, uh, because the media <laughs> only <laughs> focuses on like a couple of HBCUs. Like you always hear about Howard, Morehouse, Spellman, Tuskegee. Um, I just knew I wanted to go to an HBCU and I just started looking at every HBCU I could. I decided on Graham originally. I almost went to Alabama State after I transferred. Thank God I didn't go to that godforsaken place. Um and I wound up at the greatest HBCU of all time, Alabama A&M. <laughs> but if I could go back, I would probably just go to A&M from the beginning. Not that I didn't enjoy Grambling. It's just if I knew, if I like had went to A&M and I had stayed on campus, I think I would have been okay. Like as far Man, as like I'll having- never forget your time at Grambling, bro. I remember I texted you that one time. <laughs> And you were like, yeah, bro, we smoked 16 blunts the other Like, what? 
what? Hey, hey, hey. I used to I smoke like, weed every day. Living down there. <laughs> bro. Living. It was like, yeah, I, I ain't gonna lie, bro. It was fun. <laughs> it was a little too much fun at times. But it was like, it was just cool. Like, like for Graham, like, cause like I went on my visit with my like I went to uh my family's from Mississippi, like I mentioned every episode somehow. <laughs> Um, so like my mom was like, wherever schools you want to go to, I'll take you on college visits. So I narrowed down my list to Alcorn, which is my family's alma mater, uh, Gramlin, Jackson State, and Southern. Um, but we ended up going to just Alcorn and Gramlin. And we went with my granddad to Alcorn. And my granddad wanted me to go to Alcorn so bad. And then we went to our visit at Gramlin. The girl that showed me down was like showed me around was fine as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and my granddad was like, I know I done lost one. <laughs> he knew. You were done after that. <laughs> he knew. As soon as he saw her and he saw the look in my eyes, I was going to Gramlin, bruh. I could like I committed. <laughs> I committed on the spot. Right. It was like, oh no, they got me. <laughs> they all look like this. All right, let's go. <laughs> Sign me up right now. But like it was just uh it was such a small campus or whatever. So you like literally like knew everybody. So it was cool, like because I didn't know anybody. I'd never even been to Louisiana before I went to Grandma. So, like, that first week was kind of tough. It was kind of weird. I'm trying to figure it out. But, like, I started getting to know people and stuff, and it was cool after that. Like I said, like, I I went and I realized that I wasn't the only black nerd in the world. Mm-hmm. So, it was just comfortable. And then mm-hmm. it was like, all these fine-ass women and shit. <laughs> hey, they had me. <laughs> But yeah, I would I would have realized I wasn't the only lame in the world because I had I was pretty lame in high school, bro. It's so many lames at HBCU. <laughs> like that's the other thing. Like people lead you to believe that everybody at HBCU is like just swagged out, and like everybody just wears Jordans and shit. It's like no, nah, those are just stereotypes. It's nerds everywhere. <laughs> like we used to have people like uh, skateboarding around campus and stuff. And it's like, bro, blackness is not a monolith. That is what HBCU taught me. Like they always say, like before uh, the uh, the NIL stuff. Well, they're getting a free college uh, education that is worth blase, blase. You know, student athletes ain't studying for that shit. Mm-mm. Nah. Like, I worked for A&M's football team as on the film crew, like, my last two years of college. We sometimes would leave town, like, Wednesdays or Thursdays, and I get back to Sunday morning for stuff. 
like we had to reschedule our test and everything else. Like that's a full time fucking job. Mm-hmm. And to just act like that, they just get to be students and go out and play on Saturdays is disingenuous. <laughs> but I'm glad they're getting paid now. Yeah, I'm. It, it was something that was a long time coming that you know you should be able to make money off your own name but <laughs> right. like, you know, it's wild to think <laughs> that that wasn't allowed <laughs> that's what's gonna be so crazy like when your kids get older and they're gonna ask you like so college athletes didn't always get paid no, no. <laughs> and people would fight you for even like thinking that college athletes should get paid which and is absurd. a certain demographic that is very mm-hmm. against that, that seems to be consistent. And I'll leave it at that. Um, I'll go a step further. <laughs> 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 a certain demographic that also seemed to be the same demographic that, say, 150 years ago would have <laughs> been against paying those workers oh rightful wages. And they also stripped them of their name and likeness. <laughs> I just, I, it's, I, the, the arguments behind it is actually like baffling, alarming, and funny all at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because like, you ask somebody, like, really, why you don't want players, or like, why, why would you not want your son or daughter to be able to make money off their own? to anybody and like have them talk through why they shouldn't be it ends up coming into this conversation of all of a sudden now we're saying do they know they have to pay taxes everybody has to fucking pay taxes you (laughs) idiot so what like it's just stupid stuff that end up coming up that you just like is that really like your argument like your argument is like well like you know they're gonna be focused on you know, they're going to be so focused on making money that the product on the field is not going to be as good. The product uh, on the field. What does that even mean? They, like, what, <laughs> but the thing is, they be telling us what it means because the product on the field is a physical body. Exactly. And not going to bring that magic word into it, but yeah. <laughs> Y'all, you know. You know. Yeah. But, it's just... I don't like people are so like you know what it is it's because they can't say the quiet part loud they can't say why they think that these people shouldn't be paid Mm -hmm. because if they said that or if they even understood that's what they were saying they wouldn't even engage in the conversation Mm -hmm. but it's so defined in their mind that oh these people shouldn't be paid for this because it's just a natural ability. Even though all the work that goes into building on that natural ability and skill set because of what those people look like overwhelmingly. They can't conceptualize that. Their privilege won't allow them to. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's also sad because, like, we don't even have to say certain things, and people that are listening to this will know what we're saying, and there will be some people who still won't know what the fuck we're saying. Mm-hmm. 
That's what makes all this shit wow. It's it's just one of those things where I rather them come out and say we don't want a whole bunch of black athletes to get. <laughs> I'd, re- I'd literally rather them say that. Like I'd rather them come out and say that than hit me with, well, you know, like there's tax implications and all this, and it, like they are the ones that are gonna have some issue, like some tax problems because somebody else's child is getting paid. Like what? I, I'm just like, just come out and say it, man. Just come out and be like, we don't want. We don't want all these black athletes running around with a lot of money. But, I mean, that's all. That's that's what it comes down to. Yep. They'll just. Go, they, I mean, they'll start buying gold chains and gold <laughs> teeth, playing hippity hop, blasted out of a bumping car. The funny thing is, always when uh, people like get on one of those like racist fever dreams about the things that black people would do with money, they always describe some old stereotypical shit. From like twenty years ago, they'll be wearing their hat backwards and yeah. <laughs> it's like, have you watched? First of all, have you watched any MLB game? Do you see how many white white boys be wearing their hat backwards? Like what? Is, right. Like it, it's just it, like you said, it's these old like traditional stereotypes that like have been placed on black athletes for since the beginning decades. of time. Like, and the reality is, is like you've got a lot more black athletes doing very well with them. Yeah. Like they're investing well. Right away. They're investing exactly. in tech and all these stocks and all this other stuff. Um have you ever watched the Ken Burns documentary on Jack Johnson, Unforgivable Blackness? Hold up, I think you cut out. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, I can hear you now. Um, have you ever heard I mean, have you ever watched the Ken Burns documentary on Jack Johnson, the uh, the boxer? I can't lie, man. Every time I hear Ken Burns, I just think of them like Civil War <laughs> movies we had to watch at high school. <laughs> yeah. Hey. But no, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that well, one. It's called Unforgivable Blackness. It's on YouTube in, in its entirety. But they talk about Jack Johnson. Every stereotype about the black athlete was also applied to Jack Johnson in the early 1900s. And it's insane because like, like here's a, like just a picture of this. Jack Johnson was a dark skinned black man that had gold teeth. Had, used to have flashy suits, a flashy car that he used to race around town and was known to, uh, Frequently date white women. Sounds like a stereotypical black athlete to me. <laughs> it's always been that's been the stereotype since the beginning of time, and they also a stereotype. They also had um, because he was just kicking everybody's ass in boxing. He was the first uh, world heavyweight championship. I mean, world heavyweight champion when that actually meant something. <laughs> that was black. Uh, they had a whole thing of trying to find the great white hope. Somebody that would beat this savage. Mm. And it's like, when you watch it, you just see all the racist tropes that are just playing. And you're like, Oh my God, it's 120 years and they're still doing this shit. But they've always done it because that's always been a narrative. And that was the narrative. Uh, for when we were enslaved. It's just a continuation of it. That's why when 
uh, they get so bent out of having to pay athletes. I can't, I can't, like, I know when people compare things to slavery, rightfully so, people would be like, hey, you know, I mean, we, we got to be careful comparing things to slavery or like the Holocaust or things. But athletics is such based on black bodies. You can't separate it. It's part of the narrative of this society. You could argue the society has been built off black bodies. This entire nation. Yeah. From the economy to culture to everything. Mm-hmm. So you can't divorce that from the narrative of why you don't think that black people should be paid for their bodies. So you also, oh, you think it's cool for an institution to get paid for black people winning championships and banners. What, like, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. And how can you not connect that to institutional racism and systemic racism? But people aren't, but when you start talking about that, people will be like, oh, he, you're woke. No. I can just see. <laughs> woke is the, don't, <sighs> white people, and I'm not classifying white people in all in one um, bucket, but um, people that tend to often challenge the word woke, it, it, I think that's probably the best way I can put it to classify a group of people, right? Um, they always seem to put it in a very negative light, right? Like they try and put it as like, oh, you're woke. And they try and mock you with it where it's in essence, it's more of like, no, kind of the initial thing we talked about with Kyrie of like how they are and trying to articulate it to you in a way that from a different perspective that we would hope you would understand. Now, if you want to call that woke and mock it, fine. But the reality is, is it's an education piece of showing you a different perspective that you're refusing to look at. You know what I mean? Like, and that I mean, that, this is such a bigger picture, but like, I think the biggest thing that like I try and do being in a, you know, like for me, you know, as you know, like my wife is white. And so like, you've got half her family that I've gotten been able to get to know and kind of understand their perspective. And uh, so it's like, I try in certain instances to be like, let me put myself in their shoes you know, of like, what, what, what are, you know, what were they, what are they thinking? And that's all really like, a, most black people are looking for. It's like, just put yourself in shoes that you seem to refuse to try to put yourself into and try and understand like the perspective of if you were in a place where you're the only person that looks like you look like right and that like that's a perspective kind of back going back to like when i was in school like when i went to college it was like i look around and i was more of like really hard-headed i I just kind of looked at it like it is what it is i look at you know there's certain situations that happen that i was like man that was 
something I never want to endure again. Um, but you look at it and you're like, you tr- like I've always tried to look at other people's perspective. And that's what I think everybody should just try and do. And it would alleviate a lot of tension and have people have conversation about things that maybe they wouldn't have conversations about with white people, black people, Hispanic people, anybody. Like, I think that's like something that's so that, that I'm not not even saying like, that's just white people. I mean, that's any culture, like try to, if you just try to put yourself in other people's shoes, it'll go so much farther in your logic of thinking on things. Yeah. Be cool in front of one thing I have thought about. I wish I didn't give. A, I wish I didn't care what you and Akeem thought. <laughs> yeah, like looking back on that, like I, I'll never forget the time that we ridiculed you for drinking at a party. <laughs> I'll never forget, like, it, like looking back on that because we were so like we didn't do that stuff, and you know, so we were just kind of like, why could you do that, Juice? Like, for real? like it's like after school special shit. <laughs> Like yeah. us here out here just drinking. Well, we don't do. I remember one time, like some girl. I can't remember what girl it was. Like I think I got rejected or some shit. And then I was like, I was talking to me, like you on the phone. I was like, man, I just feel like getting drunk this weekend. And you're like, we don't do that, juice. If you look back on that, like that statement is so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Cause like if you think a year later after that, like right. We like, were both how? getting fucked up and then it'd be like, exactly. yo, bro. <laughs> exactly. But it was I, I mean, looking back, I remember Akeem and I were so like because especially like I would see more baseball where folks would show up and I'd just be like, really? Like we're trying to take this serious. Like you do, you just t- we just took things overly serious yeah. when it came to like that type of stuff. And I just looked, like just you know, being naive, I just looked down on like, why would you do that? Like, what was the point of doing that? Right. And and now it's like, like you said, it is actually like hilarious to think that that's <laughs> my mindset. But uh, but yeah, man. Thank. I mean. I just, I do think about like if we would have, like what the experience would have been like. Like I would have probably, I, I don't know. My mom scared me enough to where I just wasn't interested in that type of stuff. Like I probably wouldn't have. Like I probably would have approached it the same. But again, it it all happens for a reason. Because then, you know, when you leave, you do your own thing. Yeah. Which I mean, like. The more so thing I be thinking about is like, man, I should have just dated the people I actually liked. Not work like that's also when we True. used to do that game thing and be like, yeah, no, nah. like no, nah, duh. Yeah, I do. You remember when everybody like there was a space that I think was like I still think is hilarious. Where like we would go behind like if somebody was talking to somebody, we go behind and take notes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And that was like so like, I forgot like about that. that's hilarious. But like could you imagine like I don't even know how we would focus on stuff because I remember I just pictured people going behind and just taking notes and it's like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. Which was adding to all the stress that oh my god, it makes total exactly. sense. It's just exactly. like um 
Like, that's also Like, we used to play all these stupid-ass fucking games where it'd be, like, the made-you-look game, but it would always be so much more dramatic, like, dealing with, like, Akeem. You'd be like, oh, my God, what's that? It's a bear right behind you, and it's running up the stairs in a pink polka dot dress. you're like, what? (laughs) He was just... I I don't... I I mean, we... I felt like Akeem and I, though, were very intentional when it came to like football like i feel like we went out of our way to like try and make it a um what's the word i'm looking for just like a, a laid-back atmosphere and like yeah. relieve a lot of the tension especially like when we got older yeah because i felt like we just kind of came with this it could be lame it could be ridiculous but we gonna try and make it lighthearted and we gonna have fun like that was kind of the attitude we would come with and i think it was pretty good for the most part. Like, I think it rubbed off well and probably, like, subsided a lot of tension that could have kind of came up, if that makes sense. The funniest shit about it is, like, if I hadn't met, like, you and Akeem and actually hung out with y'all, I probably wouldn't do this podcast. Like, that's, like, the... That's part of, like, the branch. Like, have you watched uh, Loki? Mm-mm. I don't think so. Um... Like it's the like the villain from Thor, but it's on Disney Plus. It's a show, but it's like all these multiverse. So it's a multi universe, and if uh, certain things that happen, and it will branch off, and it makes a whole new universe. The universe that I'm in now, like with the podcast, only makes sense because I met like you and Akeem. So like I don't like. <laughs> I don't fully invest in try like the being the funny part of me. Mm-hmm. So like that part of me comes from that. Even though like I still laugh at my own jokes, which is hilarious that y'all used to joke with me for laughing at my own jokes. <laughs> we do. We did. <laughs> and now people be like, I love your laugh. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's funny. Like, cause it just, it only makes sense because like I was around y'all. Mm-hmm. That my sense of humor is the way it is, but it's also dark because of <laughs> some I mean, of the sh- some of the <laughs> shit I cut out is because it's dark as fuck. Because the uh, people outside our circle would be like, "Y'all are crazy." Yeah, that's that what y'all think that's funny, <laughs> right? Like, I ain't gonna tell you. Like, some of, it's some of the darkest shit that be I be saying, and then when I say it, like Kim will look at me and be like, "What the fuck." And then I'll be like, nah, you just you just don't get it. Cause we were all watching like Chappelle and shit. Oh yeah, that was the show. I still like I still quote Chappelle all the fucking time. He's got a new stand up coming out next week. So his so much of his skits back then, like on the show, like apply today, still. Yeah. Like that type of humor is still like a lot of the, the like the overall concepts of his skits are still like fairly common today, which is funny. Cause the only thing like that I always kind of feel weird about is we were quoting this stuff in like middle school and high school. And I don't think a lot of the white kids around us understood the joke. Exactly. Exactly. Cause it was so multi-layered and complex, Mm -hmm. but they were just hearing, Oh, it's a white 
uh, it's a white supremacist who's actually black, but you don't get the under context of being that's how black people hate on other black people mm-hmm. because of white supremacy. They didn't understand mm-hmm. the full context of the jokes. Exactly. So it's like, I don't know. I've thought like about mad that. Real world, like yeah. mad, the mad real world episode. <laughs> right. It's just being subversive of how all the crazy things that white people do when black people are around mm-hmm. and just flipping it. But you're just seeing this, oh, he's being a thug. He's like, no, that's not the joke, you idiot. The joke is mm-hmm. white people on like these reality shows would do extreme crazy things and then when black people react because it's crazy, they're mm-hmm. they're uh They're the crazy ones. Yeah, they're they're gaslit to say that mm-hmm. it, it wasn't as crazy as you think it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's crazy. And all like, yeah. hey, one day I will figure out how to actually make enough money off this shit <laughs> for <laughs> the process to all make sense. But until then, I'm just gonna keep having fun with everybody because some, for some reason, people like to listen to this craziness. Nah, man, it's uh, I remember when uh, you were talking about starting it and uh. It was just like one of those things where it was kind of before the time. Like I, like I feel like you guys started before podcast really became podcast. Like you know what I mean. Like now, I don't. I literally listen like my the what I listen to is off of like my Spotify. What was updated today? So like I don't go to any other app. Like when it comes to like listening thing, I just go to Spotify. And like I have a list of podcasts that I favorite, and whatever when they come out with new episodes, I just listen to them and like kind of go in order. And so like now, when you guys started doing this, it was before like I felt like podcasts were essentially a, a way of how people like. I mean, that's how I get news. To be honest, yeah. Like I I probably listen to more podcasts to get information than I watch TV. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like I, any other way I would listen to things or, or find out news besides reading, of course. But that's always the biggest like uh compliment to me when like people are like, I listen to your podcast and you're talking about this, and I went and started looking up stuff about it, and I'm like, all right, that's pretty dope. Cause sometimes we just be bullshit. <laughs> I mean, but some people like we I mean, me personally, I like started out to where I listened to it just because I could hear like hear y'all and like just hear what y'all are talking about and, you know, just get a sense of like kind of back home and kind of get a sense of like what's going on. You right. know what I mean? Like, I think that's how, you know, I can't speak for everybody, you know, but like that was kind of how I, was, I always looked at it. And then, you know depending upon the topics that are covered, it's kind of like, you kind of start to be like, okay, like, you know, when, especially when we're, you know, we text them with our group chat, it's like, you know, this will, Hey, this is what I thought about this. You yeah. Know, depending upon the topic. Um, but I feel like now y'all are in a space where, you know, you're able to talk about really real time topics and, you know, like I, like I get anxious to hear like what y'all think about them because, you know, whether it's like sometimes y'all are on the same page, sometimes you're not, 
like which is i think makes for good you know makes it for a good podcast to to not saying you need to come like be conflicting every time right but like when you're giving your perspective and kim is giving her perspective and it may not be the exact same but y'all are doing it in a respectful way of like trying to get to understand each other's side but also the the general like the the listeners are getting to hear both sides in a different way right you know like i think it it becomes it became more natural as time went on because like we're we're like 1a 1b on a lot of stuff but then mm-hmm. like we're 1a 1c on a couple like a few things and now we're so comfortable with ourselves that and so because it's such a respectful relationship we can be honest with ourselves mm-hmm. and it's like when we first started, we were like, we don't want to have a podcast where we just yell at each other each time. But now it's like to the point where we can respectfully disagree mm-hmm. and half the audience to be on her side, half the audience to be on my side. And it is what it is it's still like, we still going to love each other at the end of the day. I think that only comes with, uh, doing it for three and a half years. Like 170 mm-hmm. cent episodes. Man, that's wild. That's been that long. I know. It is. But, like, I have had to start, like, being, like, more giving myself grace because, like, we were so consistent for so long, but now, like, our schedules are crazy. But we always make time to do it. It's just, it might not be ready by a Friday. Like, it used to be automatic. Or on the mm-hmm. Thursday, but like people are still hanging with it, so I respect it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's cool though. Thanks for tuning in. You can find all of our links and merchandise at www.thesuburbanpodcast.com. You can also get your listens in on any of these streaming services, such as Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Subscribe. Episodes come out every Friday. Beom, beom, beom.